That one, I wasn't. <laughs> you laughed at it because I every time like he gave it an intro, you just go, Yep, and then I don't know what's coming, yeah. And I, and I wasn't even really paying attention, honestly. Yeah, you laughed like, at it. All right, hey, well, cool. welcome to Nacho Mama's Christian Podcast, a Christian podcast that doesn't take itself too seriously. I'm your host, Shane Eric. It, whenever I laugh at something you do, it's a sincere laugh because I yeah. try, I will never ever give you a pity nope. laugh. Uh-uh. I don't think I've ever done it in my life. In no. fact, I'd rather not laugh at something that I think is actually funny yeah. and be mean to you than give you a pity laugh. Yeah, I know. I know. So, so, <laughs> yeah, I know. I've, so I'm I've fully aware. And so, so when I do get a, a legit laugh that out of you, then I know I worked hard our, for it and I earned it. <laughs> our, our sister, I'm the exact same way oh. and she's like way less funny than both of us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know she's going to listen to this so yeah. I want to make sure that. But every once in a while I'll give like a legit laugh but then she ruins oh, it. Oh, she's the worst. So what she does is like she'll do something and I will actually find it funny and yeah. I will laugh. Yeah. And then she like sees that I laughed uh-huh. and went, oh, you laughed at that? Yeah. You know what's funny? It's like, Jessica, you're ruining you it. Ruined like, it. Just take the take the laughter, just, yeah, put it in your it. pocket and bounce. You yeah. know what I mean? I guess that's that's how few laughters she gets. <laughs> just in life. In general. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Well, hey, we got we got uh, some cool things that we're going to talk about today. We got a really good interview with, uh, with a guy, Brady um, Shearer. Yep. Did I say that right? Yep. yep. And uh, and he's he's going to give us a lot of good information about social media and technology and all those sort of things. So, but we figured we should start off by talking about you do you you do you're in all the social media stuff, right? What do you got? I got I got Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. Um, you do you have a YouTube account? Yeah. Oh yeah, I have a YouTube account. Yeah, but, but like I don't do anything. I like I that's what yes me, you that's, do you do you just don't like yeah. I don't like post anything or or nothing like so that. You don't subscribe to anything. Yeah, I subscribe to some things. Then you do stuff on there. But it's for some reason it's different <laughs> to me. Feel like it. it doesn't feel like social media as much because I'm not like interacting. Like with Snapchat, you can like talk to somebody on there, and I know you can yeah. on YouTube, but I don't do any of that. Like all I do is just watch things on YouTube. Yeah. I've never come. I've never once commented on anything. I've never once liked or disliked a video on YouTube ever. Where did your social media um, history start? Easy. Yeah. Aim. Me too. Yeah. I am. And it just died. I know. We talked we talked to Brady about it. It's, yeah. It's it felt like a part of my childhood died. Yeah. Even though I hadn't used it. Oh I mean, no, I, no. I don't remember last time I used it, but I but loved it. I mean I did that too. was that was better than getting a girl's number <laughs> getting their aim yeah getting their aim what was your aim uh <laughs> <laughs> what was it i know what it was what you say it was uh it was first it was bass master because <laughs> i played the bass yeah and then the then i had one it was nubster why why was it nubster because <laughs> my sternum in my chest is still like this i'm 30 years old um it it kind of pokes out yeah. like a little nub in the middle of my yeah. chest and so my my nickname kind <laughs> of was nub we just always like what is that nub and yeah. we were like give me a hammer it's gonna pop that back yeah in. W- that would kill me <laughs> so it's still like that so what, what was yours um i think it was drummer boy 2385 uh-huh um, could you and, tell that we were trying to promote our band or yeah what? i might have been e-rock something you were at one point e-rock yeah e-rock or something like that um i remember um, for, well, we should probably explain what AOL as a measure was for those like people yeah. that are listening, because there's probably a lot of people listening. Like, what the heck is that? I um, guess there. Trust me, there is. I guarantee you, there are people that are listening that yeah, have no idea what it is. And they're, they're googling it right now. If they're like, if they're like twenty, then yeah, yeah. there's people yeah. that are twenty listening to this podcast, yeah. dummy. God. <laughs> so, so we, what AOL as a messenger is, it's basically just 
the Facebook Messenger part of yeah. Facebook. That's all it is. You would just get on and you would have a, f- a list of friends and you can just contact them. It was like kind of before texting even. Yeah. And you would just you would just basically have a dialogue with them back and forth. Um, you can go to chat rooms, mm-hmm. which uh, some people would Those do that. are risky. Those are risky. We, <laughs> we did a lot of sinning in chat rooms. Um, you could do that or you can just... Uh, there's much stuff you could do. I mean, oh, one of the big things you can do is if you're not at your computer, you can leave it up oh, and, and away put message. an away message up. Now, I remember once uh-huh. I put a... Um, what was the band? Uh, Receiving at a Sirens song <laughs> yeah. as my away message. Uh-huh. Uh the the this song is, the last is night in my yeah, body. The song yeah. is playing a prison break and the last part of that song is uh this is the last night in my body. Yeah. So I put like song lyrics a lot up yeah. as my away message cuz I thought I was like really cool. <laughs> <laughs> and I put it up and my and mom was just like get on the computer and just it was up and she saw it and she thought I was suicidal yeah. because oh, yeah, of yeah. that away message and understandably she was, so. She went, "Eric, are you okay?" I was like, "What?" And she's like, "I saw your away message. <laughs> <laughs> You're so loved, Eric." And I was like, I was like "Mom, I'm fine." I just, it just it's a serious siren song. You want to hear it? <laughs> Mom, you don't know Treos? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that was always a thing like I would I remember putting up like he's legend lyrics and like I am Hollywood. Like I what does that even mean? Like <laughs> not many people would actually listen to that and so they would be like what is he talking but yeah that that was where it all started and then then the before facebook was myspace and i still have mine yeah yeah i actually i do too i don't know my i don't know how to log <laughs> I've, into it. i've gone to it you can go here this is what everyone oh actually do i can go to i know i know my url yeah me too it's myspace.com slash eric valenstein do you know what mine, mine is no. <laughs> my, oh, yeah. yeah. My URL is myspace.com slash Eric Topper. <laughs> Why would you take it? Because <laughs> at the time, well, when you first got MySpace, they didn't have that. And then all of a sudden, like, they, they released a thing like, oh, you can make your own URL. So I said, I'm just going to mess <laughs> yeah. with Topper. And so I took it at like 15 years old. I and took he didn't my, have MySpace at the time. No, he did, oh, he but did. I, I beat him to the punch. <laughs> so, so I've been trolling Topper on social media for like 15 <laughs> yeah. years. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and and so I, yeah so if you go to myspace.com slash Eric Topper you will find you will my MySpace and who knows what picture it is it might be you with like an ex girlfriend oh, I'm or sure something. it is I'm sure it I don't is. know what mine is but yeah go go check out those MySpace pages yeah. that was the first one what happened was a lot of um of of parents got on MySpace and mm-hmm. everyone left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Facebook, when it first started, people don't know this, was just college. You had to well, have... Maybe if you saw the social network movie or whatever. Yeah. You had to have a college e- email. You could not do it with a regular email. It had to be a college email. So that made it very exclusive, which yeah. made us, our college... Yeah. I remember being like, oh, I can't wait to get on this. And at first, I didn't have a college email and right. I was like mad about it. Uh-huh. It's like, why wouldn't they let me on? It was so exclusive. Well, it started out with just Harvard. Yeah, if you watched a movie where it was so exclusive, where only if you went to Harvard you could be a part of it. Yeah, and then it got a little more, and then that was a great way to to. Yeah, it worked. It was genius. Um, so now out of all the social medias you have, what do you use the most? Um, probably Twitter, just because I like sports. You know, I think Twitter is declining. Yeah, I know it is, but like I see, well, I'll, I'll I use Facebook a lot too. Like I'll just get on Facebook. I don't actually like use it. I'll yep. just like look at things and I'm like, what am I doing? I just wasted time. Yep. But Twitter, I use probably the most and Snapchat a lot, but uh, Twitter, because if I'm watching like a football game, I like to see what like professional sports writers are saying about it. I want Facebook the most. I look at Twitter for my, for my sports. Mm-hmm. Um, Snapchat a lot. I do Snapchat for a lot. Kids. Yeah, kid. I do. <laughs> I have one. What you send, uh-huh. 
videos of your kid or videos of your kid's poopy diaper. That's it. <laughs> or that's, pictures of it. That's the extent of it. Like, dang it, Shane, another poopy <laughs> diaper one. <laughs> um, I used to send a lot of pictures of my actual poops, but I had yeah. friends that quit Snapchat because of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, what's worse, <laughs> right? A picture of my kid's poopy diaper or pictures of Eric's actual After coffee. Poop. I, no. <laughs> my, terrible my wife is like probably so mad listening to this right now um yeah, so i use snapchat a lot <laughs> you snapchat a lot when because like mom will post a lot of like mm-hmm. when she's watching the kids on wednesdays yeah a lot of videos and pictures i watch all those and i'll go through a lot of the stories but i kind of just skip through well i like i like snapchat because you you get to choose what you look at right yes like facebook you get on and there's a news feed that is just they do it for they you. You can change you. the settings a little bit. We're like Snapchat. I can go and like see there's a bunch of people's stories, and I'm like, I know what this person's story is going to be, and yeah. I don't care about it. Yes. So I'll just skip it. And and I, I like look at like the same people's stories that I actually want to see. So yeah. I, that's why I, like I scroll Snapchat through it just like, okay, here's like certain people that I just want to see their stories, yeah. and that's about it. If I'm really bored, I'll just click through them all. And yeah. I kind of like some of the other like the, the Comedy Central one. The news, yeah, yeah, I like I that kinda, too. Some of the ESPN one's pretty right. cool. I don't really use Instagram hardly at all. Oh, yeah, I rarely I like, use it. rarely use that. So. Yeah, I, and I know, I just post like maybe once a month. I mm-hmm. post, I take, do something on Instagram. But uh, yeah, so uh, hey, if you guys want to become friends with us on Facebook yeah. or follow us on Twitter and Instagram and see all the pictures we don't post, mm-hmm. um, Come go find us. Yeah, you know yeah. our names. That's I mean, that's why you listen to this podcast. <laughs> I don't need to tell you the name. Just yeah, search yeah. the name. Yeah, relax. Okay, relax. Okay, dude, girl, whatever. <laughs> so we got a, we got a good interview that we're going to get to with uh, a guy named Brady Shearer, and he is uh, the founder of Pro Church Tools and and, and Story Tape. And what they do is they really work with churches to to help them improve uh, when it comes to social media, as you'll find out in the interview, and to help churches really get better at connecting with people outside of Sunday. Morning morning because as as he talks about there's so much more time than just sunday morning which is really cool yeah shane and i felt very convicted afterwards because we don't do a lot of social media we don't yeah, really care like, much about it there's a lot of work that i need to do to improve like legitimately to, to and, but and the church. reason why you do it is because it will help your yes. church yeah absolutely. it will improve your church it will tr- improve the church plan i'm doing now um all that kind of stuff so we that's stuff we need to man up yeah. or find someone that's better at yeah. it because i know i am not good with social media i yep. know it and if you follow us on social media as a podcast you know we're not good we're not very good at it no. it's only us two and we don't really like doing it so mm-hmm. we try to do that so hey if anybody is really good at social media and wants to help us as a podcast yeah. hit us up we could yeah. we could use you um we will um buy you a mountain dew yeah. i don't know that's and, I'll, all. <laughs> you know and i'll guarantee too that you will be above the intern so that that's a win for you so there is no be, intern you'll be the middle all right, they can got, be. I'm the on intern. top, and then you'll be second, <laughs> and then Eric's below. I'm you. not the intern, first <laughs> off. Anyways, so let's get to our interview with with Brady Shear. Did you grow up in a Christian home? I did. Yeah, I did. I grew up going to a really small Baptist church, so we went to this Baptist church of about. 18 people on like the busiest week of the year. And when I hit high school, I got connected with a Pentecostal youth group, which is where I really like made faith my own. I didn't really care for the small town Baptist church singing, mm-hmm. you know, Days of Elijah with a single acoustic guitar <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every, every week. And then I went to this Pentecostal church and there were drums and I was yeah. like, this is so cool. And, and that's where I really got connected into church for real. Gotcha. Wow. So so what made you start um I guess you started Pro Church Tools first, right? And now you also do story tape. What what's the vision behind both these companies and what made you start start those? 
I went to Bible college to be a student pastor, and I had my mm. degree in student ministry and theology. And it was during Bible college that I really realized, you know, I don't really think I want to do full-time ministry on staff traditionally. Mm-hmm. And I really liked the idea of running an online business. And so I started kind of exploring that newly married one-bedroom apartment while still in Bible college. My wife was working two jobs, insurance during the day, retail at night. Mm-hmm. And so I decided, you know what, I'm learning a ton about digital media, video, graphic design, website. And I think that a lot of other churches could benefit from this. So I'm just going to start a blog, Mm -hmm. basically teaching everything that I'm learning. And that's where Pro Church Tools began about five years ago. And basically, we've just been building an audience of, you know, pioneers who are pushing forward into this new digital world. You know, you were just telling me, you know, one of you is planning a church soon. One Mm -hmm. of you just planted a church. You know, the way that we do ministry nowadays is just so different because the way that we can connect with people is so yeah. much improved. Like we have this ability now to not just reach people in the one hour on a Sunday that they right. come to us. But we've got another 167 hours each and every week where we can connect with people on demand, which yeah. is insane. I was just in Greece and I was standing, you know, on Mars Hill. We went up to Corinth and I'm thinking like Paul had to like walk everywhere. Yeah. He's sending letters across this continent. It was my first time in Europe. And I was thinking like, I now have the ability to reach everyone who has a mobile device, who has a internet connection, which is the majority of the world, right. at any time through these huge platforms that have been created for us. And and so that's why like at Pro Church Tools, like we have this hashtag seize the one sixty seven, which mm-hmm. is basically just saying, look, you've got this huge chunk of time outside of Sunday where you can reach people with the message and hope of Jesus. We've got to find a way to use it. And we basically create resources and teaching to help churches do just that. That's great. So so I for me personally, I I'm not a huge social media guy. I don't I don't really just enjoy using it that much or any of those sort of things, but I understand the importance of it as a church. So so do you from your viewpoint, do you feel like churches across America are good at using social media or terrible at using social media? And what can they do to improve on it? I would say mostly terrible. Yeah. <laughs> which it isn't meant to be an indictment, even if it is. Mm-hmm. We're still living through this really weird shift in the church right now, which is when I was born, 1991, the average age of the lead Protestant pastor was uh, was 44 years old. Yeah. And now, in 2017, the average age of lead Protestant pastors is 54. Yeah. So in my lifetime, the average age of our lead pastors has gone up by a full decade. Mm-hmm. And when you contrast that with the fact that millennials are now the biggest age demographic in the world, mm-hmm. in the workplace, available to vote, right now, the age 26 is the most popular age in the mm-hmm. world, and I and my wife are both 26. And we're living through this shift right now. We're seeing this with brands Traditional brands are beginning to have to market to millennials because now we're not just this up-and-coming generation. We're the biggest generation. They're like, wait a minute. Millennials don't buy things the way that other generations did, and they don't trust big brands. And wait a minute. Everything we used to do that worked no longer does. And so you're seeing every single industry being massively disrupted. I mean – Taxis got messed up by Uber. Yeah. Hotels got messed up by Airbnb. Mm-hmm. Record labels got messed up by Spotify and streaming services. Yeah. TV got messed up by Netflix. Yep. Mm-hmm. Netflix is signing now huge movie deals with huge actors. So you know the film industry is going to get messed up. Every single industry is going through 
cataclysmic levels of change, right. and the church isn't immune to that. So when I say that churches are doing social poorly, it's not necessarily an indictment on churches or pastors as a whole, but it is a reflection of this massively changing culture. And we like to always use the metaphor of like, we're all pioneers in a new world right now. So if you're mm. working in a church, you have moved to North America and like no one lives here except for the indigenous people and you've got to create a new way of living. You know, the mm. way that you used to do things is just not going to work anymore. Yeah. And it's going to be kind of tough at the beginning. I imagine like the pioneers when they're figuring out like the first winter in Canada and they're like, wait a minute, we did not expect this to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> We yeah. did not prepare for this and now we've yeah. got to figure it out as we go. And so I think the first step to becoming better on social as a whole for our churches is recognizing the difficulty most of our churches are being led by older men mm -hmm. who have no real understanding of how to do social well because they didn't grow up with it. Right. And yeah. they're trying to reach a community that on average is 20 to 30 years younger than they are. Mm -hmm. That is a significant problem. And yeah. there are a lot of different things that we can do to remedy it. But the first step is really recognizing the state that we're in and that what got us here and got our churches here isn't going to take us to the next position. And that as we like to say, we're living through the biggest communication shift in the last 500 years, the biggest one since the printing press. And if we're not aware of that and really accept that reality, we're not going to be able to react to it at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's having self-awareness of what you know, what you don't know. If, if you're a 50-year-old head pastor and you don't know social media, instead of going, well, we don't really need it then, it's like, no, understand the culture you're in, that the... the the demographic you're trying to reach because they'll complain about not having any college students come to their church um, and, and give someone that knows what they're doing the the responsibility of, hey, connect to these people. Because we always, as a church, we want to have them do more than just come to church on Sunday morning and get their God card punch. And we're in an environment, like you were saying, that we have so much opportunity right at our fingertips to do that all week long. And, and your company does a great job of helping people do that. So instead of um, just saying, well, we don't need that, be self-aware of it and, and mm -hmm. give someone responsibility that can actually help your church accomplish the mission that they've given. Well, to use social media as an example, because that was kind of what triggered this initial response, if you look at Facebook, the most popular social platform by far, seven out of every 10 Americans is on Facebook. So if there is a place in your community where 69%, to be precise, of your community was every single day, yeah. would you set up shop there as a church? Absolutely. Yeah. And it gets better because not only can you set up shop there, but Facebook is welcoming you to set up shop for free, mm -hmm. and they're going to give you access to this entire massive platform that they've built. Like Zuckerberg and co. have mm -hmm. gone and attracted the biggest platform that we've ever seen, bigger than most countries in the world, except for like two, and yeah. maybe not even, maybe it's the biggest now of yeah, all of yeah. them. Yeah. And, and, and they're saying, yeah, you want to set up shop here? Great. You can do it for free. And if you want to reach more people, you can pay us a little bit of money, not that much at all, yeah. and we'd love to have you. And churches are saying, we could do that, or we could continue to try to get people to come to us for one hour every single week. Yeah. And it's just like, it's. I understand that the, the shift in mindset is difficult. And I don't want to pretend or suppose that when I'm 50, the crazy shifts that we're going through, let's say VR or whatever is going through then is going to be mm -hmm. easy for me, because it probably won't be. And I'll probably be a stick in the mud that's like, eh, these young people. Yeah. But that's what we also, to use your word, self-awareness, we need to be aware that like every generation goes through these changes. And we as humans are resistant to change mm -hmm. yep. and mm -hmm. we'll often demonize something as wrong simply because it's unfamiliar. But just because something's unfamiliar, 
doesn't mean it's morally inept in any way whatsoever. Right. In fact, what I like to say is like we need to use timely mess, uh, timely mediums to share a timeless message. Like we're not saying that we need to change the message of Jesus and hope and reconciliation and love and redemption for all mankind. What we're saying is the mediums which we're communicating that message through are becoming more and more extinct. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, the most valuable commodity that your church can possess is attention. Because if you don't have the attention of an individual, of your community, mm -hmm. of your world, it doesn't matter if you have the greatest story and message of all time, which we do, mm -hmm. no one's paying yeah. attention, it doesn't really matter. So you've got to get attention. Well, what's the easiest way to get the attention? Go where the attention already exists. Mm -hmm. Instead of clamoring, come to me, come to me, come to us, go to where the attention already is. And yeah. there's no better place to start than with Facebook. 70% yeah. of your community is already there. Yeah, that's great. So then for you and your company, do you come alongside churches and work with them and coach them as to how to be effective on social media and what they can do to use these sort of, uh, these sort of avenues to, to access this attention that, that we're talking about? Yeah, what I'm really proud about what our company is able to do is that 90% of our content is free. Mm. We publish three new podcasts every single week. We do an interview podcast similar to this one with you know an expert in his or her field. We do a coaching call where we consult a church live in real time for about an hour and we tackle mm. their real problems. And then you get, as the listener, to listen in as a fly on the wall and see like, look, every church is dealing with this stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then it, we also do a, a four question answer show where we answer four questions from Pro Church Nation, what we call our audience, live on the show. And it's just answering real questions. And so that's 100% free. Mm -hmm. And we do new articles every single week for free, which is where we kind of break down the tactical stuff. Like here's how to actually figure out Instagram if it's a mystery to you. And then we have a YouTube channel as well where we're publishing new videos every single week, which is where it's kind of more of the visual side. And like I said, 90% of what we do is free and cost zero dollars because we really do want to equip the church in a place where most don't have a budget or have a small budget, mm -hmm. but in a realm that's becoming increasingly more and more important. Because again, if you can't get that attention, it doesn't matter how great your Sunday service is, how great your stage design, how sweet your worship service is, your kids programming. If no one in your community is paying attention to you because you yeah. don't have a presence where everyone is, again, you're in trouble. That's yeah. why we say, seize the 167. Stop allocating all of your resources to this one hour per week and start focusing on this other huge chunk where everyone's actually paying attention mm -hmm. to. What One thing we were, my brother and I were talking about before um, we got you on was um, we were talking a little bit about uh, how we, well, you're a smaller church and I am a pre-church yeah. as well. We're still a church, but we're not, haven't launched yet. And we were thinking about stuff about like announcement time, the dreaded announcement time and that kind of stuff and ways we can uh, update some of our um, cameras and that kind of stuff. And we're like, man, we're, but we just don't really have a ton of money for that kind of stuff. What would be some of your suggestions for uh, a smaller church that is trying to figure out the best way to be up to date with some of that kind of stuff? Well, the great thing about social media in particular is that it can be 100% free. Mm -hmm. You know, it all comes down to how much effort and work that you're willing to put in to, to understand it. But, you know, for instance, what I like to say, here's a real practical to get tactical with you guys, like mm -hmm. what I've been calling the best social media strategy for churches in 2017, Facebook Live. You mm -hmm. can use your mobile device 
and this is what this is like to preface this before we dive into the actual strategy on getting this done well. I need to give a huge shout out to Snapchat because Snapchat revolutionized the way that we think about video. Yeah, it yeah, used to yeah, be that did. like we need a high quality camera that mm-hmm. shoots 1080 or now 4K, like super high quality, and then we're gonna get audio separately and we're gonna put it together in post using an mm-hmm. editing platform. No, Snapchat was like, oh no, you know what? We can all just use our phones. And vertical yeah. video is a thing now. So we all yeah. got used to vertical video. And yep. now we're all conditioned. In fact, marketing trends would say we prefer kind of rogue gorilla style videos mm-hmm. over the super produced ones because they feel more intimate and they feel more authentic and real, which if you, again, to go back to millennials, we love apparently. Yeah. And so that's an amazing thing. First of all, you don't need any gear aside from your mobile device, which we all have in our pocket, mm-hmm. to produce videos that people will actually interact with. Let's get back to this Facebook Live idea. Every time Facebook releases a new feature, what they will do is bribe you, incentivize you to use that feature by giving you additional organic reach when you do it. And Facebook Live is the most recent feature that they're doing this with. We have tested with our own accounts and with many other churches and have found that when churches do Facebook Lives, they get significantly more reach than if they post a video that is not live. Mm-hmm. And definitely more reach than if they post a graphic or just text. And so one of the best ways to reach out to people on Facebook is to simply take out your phone, go live, and then create content that your church audience would find valuable. It's 100% free. Mm-hmm. It's going to get huge amounts of organic reach on the biggest and most important platform for your church. I was just I forgot, I was just asking you about my brother about Facebook Live because they do it for their church. And I was like, because I'm trying to think of stuff that I'm going to be doing in, in a year. And I remember thinking, like, do you, do you, should we do Facebook Live? Is that something that is is it helping your church, whatever? And and you were even saying, like, well, there's a bunch of families that don't yeah. even come that that watch it now. Yeah, every weekend, or like families that have moved away, um, and, and or like kids who went away to college and now want to stay plugged in to what's going on, and they feel like they're still a part of the family. So it is crazy that there can be people all over the country and all over the world that still feel like they're sitting in your service on a Sunday morning uh, just from Facebook Live. Um, and it's, and it's, a, it's a great opportunity that we have to reach more and more and more people than we ever have before. And if you're listening to this and want to dive a little bit deeper into that strategy and really mm-hmm. my entire view on YouTube, like I said, 90% of our, uh, uh, sorry, on uh, social, 90% of our stuff is free. We have a free course on social media on YouTube. If you go to youtube.com slash pro church tools, mm-hmm. it's in a playlist called the ultimate social media blueprint for churches. I think it's six, seven videos long. And it's basically my entire manifesto and training on social for churches. Again, hundred percent free. That's great. On a platform where a ton yeah. of people are. YouTube. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. My uh my my YouTube account right now is like so much random top ten watch mojo videos. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. like you watch one thing and like you have a million recommended uh, of, of that stuff too. But yeah, I always get sucked in. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the labyrinth of YouTube. Yeah. yeah. Like, how do I get out of here? <laughs> yeah. And then, La- last night I went to bed at like one in the morning because I was watching YouTube. Yeah. Because oh, one more video. You want to get out, but you don't really want to get out. <laughs> and, and just to use that as an example, like we're joking, but like YouTube is the second largest search engine in the world. Yeah. And almost no churches that I know of 
and I work with churches in the digital realm, pay serious attention to it. Yeah, like yeah. you guys were just talking about how much like I, it was 1 a.m. and you've been watching YouTube for how long? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. how much attention YouTube has, how much time we're spending on it. And mm-hmm. what are our churches doing? Well, we're just posting recordings of our sermons, which are fine, but yeah. don't pay any attention to how YouTube actually works and right. how to actually get attention on YouTube. Mm-hmm. There are so many platforms that are willing to give it away for free if you just are willing to play by their rules and understand the, the languages that each social platform uses. It's there for the taking. And the churches, I fully believe this, the churches that really succeed and excel in, in reaching people and growing in the ways that they've defined as success for them over the next decade, they're not going to be the mega churches that have the best, most amazing weekend services. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, because none of the things that are exceeding in the rest of the world yeah. are the way that they used to succeed. Mm-hmm. Like, you can build a movie theater with the coolest seats mm-hmm. and like the lean back and like the in service, uh, sorry, in seat service. Guess what? I'm a still watch on Netflix because yeah, yeah. you're trying to improve this old way of doing things that sure mm-hmm. will attract a little bit, but on a macro level is just not going to make a difference. Yeah, and yeah. we see our churches doing that. Like to speak to you guys again, like church plants do this all the time. Like man, we got to compete with the church down the road. We got to have an amazing announcement set. Mm-hmm. We got to have great worship. Our stage design's got to be upped. What we're doing is the same thing that these movie theaters are doing. We just got to make our movie service better. No, Mm -hmm. nobody's going to your movie theaters. So either fundamentally rethink the way that you're delivering your content. Again, you don't need to change your content. People Mm -hmm. still like movies, but you need to change the way that you're delivering that content. Churches need to wrestle with that same fact. And if we're not able to on an individual level, Mm -hmm. our churches are going to be in very vulnerable positions. So why why do you think, we kind of touched this a little bit, but why do you think that is where like, we're trying to like the movie theater analogy you gave, which is a great analogy. We're trying to still just update the movie theater stuff. Is it just uh, lack of education on it, or like what do you? Why do you think that is that so many churches are trying to force the old model instead of embracing the new model? Just like, I mean, uh, scared that's of just, change. That's just human nature. Yeah. Like, there's a reason the quote insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result is a quote that's so mm-hmm. popular because. Mm-hmm. We all do it in some way or another. We all want something and yet are, for some reason, unable or unwilling to change our behavior to get a different result. Mm -hmm. And and, and that's why you look at a company like, let's say, Hilton, and you're like, why were you not able to come up with Airbnb? Or if you look at like the giant taxis that had monopolies, like, why didn't you think of Uber? Mm -hmm. And that's just kind of the way the cycle of innovation works. And we're talking about this with uh, my crew and I last night about Netflix. Like Netflix is raising their price by a dollar and everyone's losing their mind, which as (laughs) an aside is crazy because (laughs) I get raised multiple dollars every year by my cable company. We're all like, well, (laughs) that's just the way that it is. (laughs) No, no, support Netflix. But Netflix is going to become like the huge giant cow in the next decade or two. And then something else will come up and innovate. Like yeah. it's just the cycle of innovation. And if you recognize that that's the way that things work, you are able to make moves ahead of time and get ahead of that. But there are a ton of different things that are in play when it comes to churches. Like first of all, human nature. We're resistant to change and we don't want to change our behavior. We think we can keep doing things the same way and get different results. Secondly, all of our churches are being led by people, mostly 55-year-old men mm-hmm. that grew up in a different world. And so they might not even be capable of making those changes and they're unwilling to retire because boomers are retiring way later than any other generation because they didn't save properly and the majority mm-hmm. have no savings so they can't retire. And that's not on a church level, that's on a generational level. Mm-hmm. So that plays in. And so you've got old men leading churches in young communities 
through the biggest communication shift in the last 500 years, unwilling to make change simply because that's human nature. So yeah, it's a pretty complex issue and it's not something that gets fixed easily overnight. And there's going to be a lot of churches, just simply put, that close their doors because they're unable to adapt. And that's why church planning is so important right now, because at the end of the day, faith in Jesus isn't going anywhere. And our sacred church model of four songs, announcements, and a 20-minute message with some coffee in between, like that's just one model out of a million that Mm -hmm. can die, and the faith of Christianity will live on. No problem at all. And so it comes down to simply like, things are going to evolve. Some will adapt, some won't. But it's not hard to see the warning signs. Like, this isn't something that's going to reverse itself. In fact, it's only going to become more and more exacerbated. Like right now, one out of every three American workers is a millennial right now. Mm-hmm. That's only going to go up. It's yeah, going to be yeah. one in two, more than one in two by 2020 based on the most recent estimates. So if you think things are like bad now or if not bad, unusual, abnormal, different, changing now, that's only going to increase. Mm-hmm. And to use that classic quote, like the best time to plant a tree was 10 years ago. The second best time is today. Yeah. Like, there's, if you feel like you're behind on the trends, it's okay. Like we can still make this work. We just got to be aware of it and start making some serious changes. Yeah. I'll be honest. Let's sit here and listen to you talking, being a, a pastor and I'm only, I'm 30 years old. And so I'm, I'm on the younger side of most pastors that are, that are out there by like you, what you said, 20 some years. And I'm like super convicted by everything that you say. I'm like, we've done a lot of like podcast interviews and I'm like, oh my gosh, I am failing <laughs> as a pastor. And just listening to you talk because I know that we do a terrible job with this. And, uh, and, and part of the reason is like I, I said when we started off I just don't like a lot of this stuff like I just don't like social media it just takes up a lot of time and all those sort of things and and uh, and so I I don't feel like I'm that good at it and but like what you were saying about the movie theater analogy I, another company that I was thinking about which is huge that is also suffering from that is the NFL right like professional football mo- less and less people are g- actually going to games and are staying home why because of fantasy football because of things like the red zone or or NFL Sunday ticket where you can watch every game all at once when you're really big yeah. 4K TV right or right yeah 3D TV and all this different stuff and so you can do all these things so people are like well why would i go to the game and spend $100 on a ticket when I can sit at my couch with my laptop, watch my fantasy team, and watch four games at once. And the NFL is seeing the, reper- the, the repercussions of that. So if, if an organization or a company as big as professional football, which is like one of the biggest things in the country, is suffering because of it, then surely our churches are, right? <laughs> and, but so often, a lot of our churches, myself included, are like, well, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. And, and, and it's hard for us to actually open our eyes and and to see it because a lot of times we f- do feel like as a pastor, this is a temptation to have is, well, we don't operate under the same rules as the rest of the world, which is a lie and to a certain extent. Some, some areas we don't like just in how we treat people and, and, you know, we're not trying to make the most money possible. At least I'm not. And I, I know some pastors are. If you are, you're really failing. Yeah. yeah <laughs> right. So, uh, so if that's the case, then, um, you know, th- we, d- we do have to open our eyes to the sense that, you know, a lot of the world is changing and we also need to change with it. So I appreciate all that you're doing, man. And, and you're doing a lot of great things and inspiring me to want to change a lot of the, th- I, like, as soon as we're done this interview, I'm going to go in my office and I'm going to like <laughs> check out everything and like sign up for as many things that I can sign up for. 
<laughs> well, and it's not lost on me either, like the difficult position that churches are in. Like, mm-hmm. I went to Bible yeah. college. I have my degree based on how a pretty innovative and progressive thinking Bible college thought they should educate me to be a pastor in this world. Yeah. And they did not adequately prepare me whatsoever, I would right, say. Right, right, right. Good people trying their best. Yeah. Failing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And what I would say to that is that, like, we're not trained to do this. Mm-hmm. And the culture that we live in, in the church subculture, isn't really in a place right now that is conducive to managing these things well. Yeah. And a lot of churches don't have a lot of money. Most are on decline when it comes to giving, which is a whole nother thing. Mm-hmm. And so we're hesitant to spend money on things that are brand new because if we spend money there, yeah, it might work, but like we don't know if it's ever worked. So yeah. it could be a waste of money. Sure, mailers don't seem like a big thing anymore, but they used to work. We know that they used to work, so maybe mm-hmm. we can still go back to that. We go back to what's comfortable because at least we know that that used to work, and that's not as scary as risking something new that's never worked for us, even if all the signs point to it being the right thing to do. Right, and right. so we're wearing these multiple hats, and maybe I was trained to be a student pastor, but now I'm in charge of the website and social media, and I don't know what I'm doing, and I know it's important, so I feel the weight and the burden of that, but I'm not really equipped to do it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like just I empathize with that. That's a yeah. tough place to be in. Yeah, 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 it is. And I think a lot of, what a lot of churches are doing as well, or or the mindset is, is that if we update the way we're getting it across, or or heaven forbid, change the way we do a Sunday morning service, or do more social media, then it's almost like we feel like we're being a little more worldly, and we're we're melting, we're watering down like the truth of Jesus, which is just not true. It's just we're we're finding a new way to reach the people in our community and the millennials and and the generation that we're trying to reach. Um, it's we're not changing the truth of Jesus. We're not change the gospel that's never going away it hasn't gone away it's, it's changed from from jesus time it's never going to go away it's going to be here way by, past us but i think a lot of people think that well if i'm doing it this way then i must not be following what like the book of acts says about churches and all like yeah all that kind of stuff like i think that's a big temptation for a lot mm-hmm. of pastors as mm-hmm. well including me mm-hmm. yeah well this is something that we get pushed back on like on our youtube comments a lot we were like you're watering down the gospel. And the easy response is, in what way? Yeah, yeah. You're enhancing like, the gospel. <laughs> like, you're, and, and this is like an unfortunate part of our culture, which is just like anything that is unknown, the other, foreign, must be bad. Yeah. And it's yeah. like we lack critical thinking mm-hmm. and we're just following, we're just sheep in this giant herd and not the good sheep, like Jesus sheep. We're just following this ideology and not able to challenge any of it and we see this in the political climate as well. And we're just in this giant echo chamber where we don't really think through anything on our own. And then mm-hmm. we just say ignorant things and our behavior follows what we think and say. And we get stuck in this endless cycle of just trash and that's not good for our churches. Mm-hmm. And so, again, to go back, and this is usually what helps people, we're talking about a timeless message being delivered in timely ways. Mm-hmm. And if we look throughout the entire course of human history, the medium and timely ways have always changed. You know, you've got 
Israel being led by a pillar of smoke. Like that was yeah. a good way of communicating back then. <laughs> and then we had stone tablets. And then we had oral history. And then we had the gospel's letters being written down. And then we had the printing press. Everyone could have their own. And yeah. then we had the radio. And then we had television. And then color got added to television. And then the <laughs> internet. And then we had AIM. And then AIM died. And yeah. you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. things it's sad have advancing. continued. Yeah, rest in peace, AIM. <laughs> Respect. <laughs> Respect. <Yeah. laughs> things yeah. continue to evolve. The message is still the same. Still. Like, yeah. we're not saying that anything changes about that. But if you're continuing to deliver the message to a world that is no longer listening, you just got to mm -hmm. find a different place to tell them about it. Yeah, yeah. And Jesus knows that it's 2017. Like, like God, God understands that, and God doesn't want us to communicate the gospel the same way that was done back in the Old Testament. Hey, he, he understands that, and Jesus, when he came, he revolutionized the culture and the way that things were done with churches at that time, churches that were doing things that, that God had put in place back in Genesis and back in Exodus and with Abraham and all those guys. And then Jesus came and said, look, we are changing the way that we're doing some things because the culture has changed. So and, if we, and churches got mad at him. Yeah, and churches got <laughs> mad at him, and it's no different today. Yeah, well, churches sure. got mad at the early apostles, too. Jesus yeah. leaves, and then, you know, Peter's having this dream of, like, get up, kill, and eat. Peter's yeah. like, no, 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 like, there's rules. We can't do this. And then, right. like, they call him over into Jerusalem, and they're like, look, Peter, like, you can't do this, bro. Like, there yeah. are rules. And then he's like, yeah, but I'm pretty sure God told me. And they're like, oh, all right, well, yeah, I guess that so. goes against everything that we've been told, but if you're saying it, then yeah. let's change our minds and let's right, do things right. differently. And that was... That was actually like the law. That's not even just like yeah. timely like message or timely medium. That's like changing rules based mm -hmm. on like the change of the season. And so things change and we have to be able to adapt yeah. with them. Well, and Paul had to talk to the church about, hey, not everybody needs to be circumcised, which yeah. was a law. And they were like, what? You can't do that. You can't <laughs> yep. tell people that, right? Because all these new all these new people, all these Gentiles who weren't Jewish were like, I'm not doing that, yeah. right? And it, it was amazing to the church where they're like, we can't go that route because we've always done it this way. Yeah. Um, what For people that are listening, let's say there's a couple of pastors that are listening that um, are trying to update their church. I just had a meeting just, just today and there, he was kind of telling me about some of the struggles they're having where they're trying to update their church with some of this stuff and they understand, like we're not, we don't have to convince them about the importance of social media and the importance of getting the message out a different way, but they are just having a lot of trouble casting that vision to their board, to their church. What would be some encouragement or recommendations you would give them on how to cast this vision and, and try to update it in their church? Yeah, I mean, I think the reason that we've gone with the seize the 167 phrase is because it really caught wind within pro-church nation and a lot of our audience was able to grab onto that. You know, it's tough when in an abstract way you present to people that are maybe just from a different generation that don't really are unable to grasp it. And you're like, we need to be on Instagram. And they're like, mm -hmm. what? That doesn't <laughs> make any sense. Like, But if you're able to frame it in this way of like, look, we're spending most churches by far spend 50 to 80% plus on this one hour a week, staff, facilities, stage design, live streaming, you know, the entire building in every single way. And then we just give the leftovers to this other 167 hours, which made sense when we couldn't access people during those 167 hours. But if you frame it in that way, it's like, does it make any sense to put all of our effort into this one hour and completely neglect this other 167. It's like if you were trying to lose weight and you spend all this time in the gym, 
and just no matter what you did in the gym didn't matter because you ate at McDonald's three times a week and were like crushing your calories by like thousands over. Mm -hmm. It's like you're undoing all the hard work that you're doing in one area because the other area is so much more matterful, which is not a word, but I'm going to go with it. <laughs> it is now. Than that, than that one hour, right? And so yeah. I think that that analogy and that story is super helpful. I also really like the pioneer analogy. A lot of the times you're just trying to get people to a place where they can have an epiphany of their own, right? Mm -hmm. We usually can't convince people of like by arguing them into it, but if we can lead them to have a similar epiphany, we usually can begin to convince them that way. And so what I try to do is use storytelling to get them there. And so this whole idea of a pioneer in a new land, like if you mm -hmm. look across every industry as we have throughout this podcast, like we can see so much change. Mm -hmm. So why do we think that we are immune to that change? We're not. We're pioneers in this brand new land. And we're figuring things out as we go. Like, it's not going to be easy because we're pioneers in this whole new area. And yeah. it never existed before. We discovered this new land. And there's a lot of promise here. But the land is different. And the weather is different. And the amenities that we used to have don't exist because it's all brand new. Mm -hmm. yep. We've got to find our way all over again. And it's just that cycle of innovation. So I try to create a narrative and use storytelling, which is it's just the most powerful form of human communication yeah, in every way, mm -hmm. and use storytelling to get people on board. And the analogies that we've found are best are that pioneer analogy, that story, that narrative, and then the whole seize the 167, which is really easy and sticky to remember. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. I can remember that. Seize the 167 versus right. one. Like that's huge. Use those two things to get the buy-in and then beyond that, there are tons of tactical things we can get into. But right. before you get to that, you're right. You've got to have the buy-in and the whole team on board. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Doing the story part is 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 big. And I know looking through your some of your videos and stuff, you, you talk a lot about that, especially with like announcement time and, and, mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, just this doesn't have to do with social media, but I'm just curious in your opinion because I'm enjoying your opinion. And you're yeah. teaching me a lot. Um, when it comes to churches and announcement time and that kind of stuff, what, what are some of the recommendations you would give to them uh, during that time and times they feel like they're not getting across what they want to get across? I think the biggest reason that churches don't get the response or the results they want from announcements are because they're focusing way too much on information and neglecting inspiration. Hmm. Like most things that we've been talking about on this podcast, announcements are often neglected. You know, almost every contemporary worship service has three elements, the worship, the message, and the announcements. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of teaching pastors, a lot of worship pastors, and I've yet to meet an announcements pastor. Mm -hmm. They always get just left to the student pastor or to the pastor's wife or just thrown together last minute. And then we're like, why aren't they working the way that we expect them to? Well, because you're not actually prioritizing them. So either don't expect good results because you're not prioritizing them or change your approach. And so we always recommend using story. It's just the best way to compel people to take action because mm -hmm. when we hear stories, we automatically put ourselves into that story. And that's how we can lead people to those epiphany moments and really compel them to do things that we want them to do. And uh, like I said, 90% of our content is free. We've got a whole free course on storytelling called the Church Storytelling Formula. It's on a YouTube playlist. Go to youtube.com slash prochurchtools to access that. But basically, when it comes to announcements, you want to inspire people rather than just give them a ton of information. Hmm. No one will remember what time, date, cost, and location your event is held at. But if you can tell a story about the last time that you held the men's retreat and how it was so impactful for Jim, who had not been coming to church for a while, and his wife came, and his wife convinced him to go to the retreat, and then he got connected, and now he Jim's living an entirely new life. Well, now suddenly I'm inspired about this men's retreat, and now you can give me a call to action to make. So 
focus on a story and then just offer a single call to action. That's kind of the storytelling formula and announcement formula really that we like to use, which is inspire with story and then just give them a single call to action. If you want to sign up for the men's retreat, head to the lobby. That's yeah. easy to remember. I'm not going to yeah. remember the date or the time or the cost, but if you can just inspire me to take that first step, I can get all the info that I do need at the lobby. And as a mm. final point, the less announcements, the better. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> our church keeps it to three or less. One easy rule of thumb is if it doesn't apply to 50% or more of the congregation, it doesn't need a Sunday announcement. There are so many other ways we've talked about to get information out to people, email, social, Facebook groups, text messages, private threads, whatever it might be. You don't need to do it on a Sunday if it only applies mm -hmm. to 15% of the audience. When you do that over and over again, you condition your congregation to tune out the announcements. Yeah, because yeah. They're not for them. And the one that is for them, doesn't matter. They've been tuning all of them out for yeah. a while. Wow. Dude, man, stuff. you're you're killing it, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, Thanks, guys. Some of your stuff is, is great and your some of the tools you have. So anyone that's listening to that works at a church and volunteers at a church that um, has any say in their church, mm -hmm. check out um, Pro Church Tools. Yeah, check definitely. out Brady. Um, give, give them some more information just quickly on how they can find out all your information, your website, all that stuff. Yeah, the, the, the main platform for all of our content, all of which is free, is ProChurchTools.com. We publish a ton on YouTube. I've mentioned that a couple of times, so I'll plug that one more time, mm -hmm. YouTube.com slash ProChurchTools. And perhaps most importantly, if you're listening to this podcast and you are a podcast listener, uh, we do a three times a week podcast mm -hmm. called the Pro Church Podcast. ProChurchPodcast.com is the URL. It once hit number one out of all the Christianity charts. So really? take wow. that, Joel Osteen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Yeah, well, that's dude, great. Brady, thank you so much for joining us and, yeah, and giving us your wisdom. And, and we'll get your numbers and so we'll call you every week about stuff we need for our church. Yeah, yeah. you can be my <laughs> personal consultant. Okay? <laughs> it's been a blast, gentlemen. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to Not Your Mama's Christian Podcast. Make sure you subscribe and leave us a nice review. To support the podcast, go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash nymchristianpodcast. Music provided by The Revived. Check them out at therevivedmusic.com. Stay connected with us by liking us on Facebook and following us on Twitter and Instagram.